Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive of rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning, everybody. We are live here in uh, the solar panel Saturday live edition on YouTube. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate everyone being here. I've got with me uh, my regular cohort, co-host, partner, however you want to call him. Brandon, how's it going this morning? Not bad. Uh, Not not hitting the panic button like most Suns fans are on Twitter. They lost Uh, a game, man. It's over. Yeah. Just pack it up, you know. Uh, it's we're we're done. We're done here. You know, don't even show up to the playoffs. Season over. <laughs> and coach, fallen founder, how's it going, man? Welcome back. I'm freaking out, man. This is the end of it. I'm telling you, they figured out their full court press on Paul. They stripped DeAndre Ayton every time. We got to figure something out. Play more Biombo. That's all I know. Point Biombo. We got to get experimental here at the end. <laughs> yeah, Biombo is definitely going to catch those uh, those entry passes better than DA did, that's for sure. Um, all right, well, welcome to the show. I, I appreciate everybody coming. Make sure as you're here, you hit the like button on the YouTube if you're watching us live on YouTube. If you are uh, watching it later, still hit the like button. It really helps the algorithms and helps us get to the top of people's feeds. Uh, and if you're listening on the audio version of this, which I'll upload later on and or tomorrow, uh, please uh, rate, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, if you're on the Apple podcast, you can review it. Anywhere else, you can at least rate it. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, so let's get into it. This is the Suns Solar Panel. Today's panel is me, Brandon, and Coach Fallen Founder. We are going to recap this past week of Suns glory um, ahead of the sleepwalking game. We are going to actually d- debate who should win the Marley hustle award. It's actually uh, it's, it's a weird year because everybody's a hustler. So um, let's talk about that. We'll take We'll go through. Brandon's going to take us through some of the history on that. We're going to go through our true false section, and then we're going to preview the upcoming week as the Suns play out the string trying to set the franchise record for wins in a season. All the Suns have to do is not finish the year on a six-game losing streak to set a new franchise record for wins on a season. Um, Coach, what do you think? Are the Suns going to lose six straight and uh, cap out at 62? Uh, Unlikely. Unlikely. I do think we rebound. Uh, We do have a couple uh, uh, teams that are 
desperately trying to lose more games and, and the uh, Thunder and Kings, I think. But uh, there, there should be a couple of good competitive games left for us to kind of uh, resharpen the steel a little bit and make sure it's a, a tune-up uh, before we head into the number one spot, a very good position to be in. Brandon, were the Suns exposed in a Friday night win? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Just extremely exposed there. I don't know how they're going to recover. But uh, in all seriousness, there is still one game this season. Like, okay, first off, April basketball doesn't count. Like, everyone knows this. It's just, especially for teams that have, like, their seeds locked in. It's the more Dallas about- Mavericks, with their full roster, got blown out by the Wizards by 30. Exactly. It's just, like, late March, early April, Just it just doesn't count. It's just weird basketball. Um, it's more about playoff teams just trying to stay healthy than anything. So there's nothing you really take away from these games, at least for me personally. Um, but there is one game I'm circling on the calendar. That's the Lakers game. I want to put them out of their misery. I want to be the final bullet that just kills their playoff hopes. So everyone's um, win, putting win them that out game, of their misery. <laughs> true, yeah. But win that game and it just puts a final nail in the coffin. That's that's the one game I really want. Oh, Rick Johnson has the uh, sage advice: how to beat the Suns, beat them. Good job, Rick. <laughs> um, yeah, so can we just be Chris Cummings asked, can we just bury yesterday's game tape? Let's do a quick review of the week. Um, the Suns won their 62nd game of the year, tying the franchise record for number of wins in a season against the Golden State Warriors. And prior to that, they had beaten Philly, uh, Philadelphia 76ers, with uh, their full squad, James Harden and uh, – Joel and that guy, Joel Embiid was in the lineup. So he played okay. Um, and the leading, the leading headline on ESPN after that Suns beating the Sixers on Sunday was Joel Embiid stuffs stat sheet in loss. Yes. Thank you. Okay. I was not the only person that saw that. That was horrible. <laughs> that was horrible. You got beat by the best team in the league. That is the story. The MVP candidate lost, the likely MVP lost in that game. And instead, it's like, ah, this guy dominates even when he loses. Are we even surprised, though? I mean, that's just what ESPN does. It's like, yeah. game after game, they know how to, like, trigger fans. And, you know, it works for them because we're talking about it. So, uh, I just can't stand ESPN, especially uh, Kendrick Perkins' take where, you know, on Twitter, I had some fun with him. Yes, some, take us through the, the Kendrick Perkins. Yeah, so I posted a video, word for word, of what he said about the Suns back when Chris Paul got injured. Um, essentially, he said uh, they had a six-and-a-half game lead at the time with, like, 20 games left to play. And Perkins was saying the Warriors were going to overtake them, long story short. And uh, I posted that video back when the Suns had, like, a ten-and-a-half game lead. And Perkins replied to me saying I was clout-chasing by posting that. When First of all, Kendrick – You know what? Perkins. That's how you. That's how you got to your platform. Is you? I was gonna chasing. say he's cloud chasing. <laughs> All he does is make hot takes, and so if, if anyone knows what cloud chasing is, it's Perkins. So I guess I'll give that to him. But whenever you're just posting a video of what someone else said, it's not cloud chasing. So you know, Perkins has been very pro Suns for the most part. So I'll give him that. But that take was just miserable. That was absolutely miserable. So yeah, so Perkins had said that there were there were several. In fact, there were Suns fans. Who thought the Suns would struggle without Chris Paul? Now you could, uh, at the time, the Warriors were playing very well. 
They had thought Clay Thompson would become the Clay Thompson of old. They had thought they would be getting Draymond Green back sooner than they actually did, and that he'd play better when he did come back. And, of course, they expected to have Steph Curry the whole time. Uh, so part of this was that Golden State was going to be great. And part of it was that the Suns were going to struggle. Um, so let's take Golden State off the table. They they shit the bed in the second half of the season. They just have. They've been under 500. Um, but on the other hand, the Suns, who had the uh, coach, who had the best record in the league in March? What team? Mm. Oh, Grizzlies. No, I was so trying to set you up, man. What was it? The Suns? Suns yeah. or Celtics? I don't know. Suns, thirteen and two. Okay. The Suns had the league's best record. We don't even realize it because they're so good all the time. We don't even pick up on the fact that they're the best in the league. The Suns were thirteen and two in March, and uh, had the very be- had the best record in the league. Um, that's the third time this season. The Suns have had the league's best record in a month. That was what the uh, the Bucks and the uh, uh, the Raptors, I think, got the better of us. But you know what it was? It was it was the month. Obviously, March. It wasn't that long ago. It was, uh, but yeah, two days ago uh, is when Chris <laughs> Paul went down, and all of a sudden we were beating like the Magic by like two points. So that's why Mar- March was a little nerve wracking, uh, as uh, because. I was very nervous seeing Paul potentially go down for the rest of the regular season, but I didn't know. Yeah, that's a strong finish. And I will say um, that Bucks game, yeah. they they played really impressive because they were down yeah. so many bodies, and I I was surprised they were it was as competitive as it was until the end. Yeah. So the the Phoenix Suns, uh, they were thirteen and two in March, and and coach, you're saying you were you it was there were some nail biter games. Um, the actual truth is that the Suns won by an average of 11 points a game uh, in, in over, over the 15 games, even counting the losses in that month. Uh, that's better than their season-wide average. I think we all just expected worse. And uh, we, it's, yeah, they were 13 and two with an average margin of 11, 10.9 actually. Okay, I feel better going in. The They're playoffs. just so good <laughs> that we don't pick up on how good they are. That's the thing. And, and uh, it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. Um, the only thing that uh, the Suns obviously uh, the, the blemish on the week, cause they had had a nine game winning streak going into Friday night. The Grizzlies sat there just about their entire starting lineup. And uh, most of it because of soreness quote unquote. And they, those, all those guys had played every game since the ultra break. And suddenly they just sat out, with soreness, uh, the Grizzlies actually, with a backup squad, beat the Suns on Friday night. And after the game, Monty Williams said that they were entirely outplayed. He was that was the most frustrating I'd for, or disappointed, right? Monty's a dad, right? So he's <laughs> what's worse than being what's worse than your dad being angry? It's your dad being disappointed. Well, Monty was disappointed with the team after Friday. The most disappointed I've seen him in a while. The players were not even really mad about the loss, which is unusual. I mean, I'm sure they're mad about the loss. Let's let's not overplay this. But um, they, the Chris Paul was just like, you know what? We just needed to respect them. We didn't respect them because the Grizzlies were playing their backups. They didn't even try in that game. And the Suns, I think, expected to just come in and win. 
So um, the Grizzlies outplayed the Suns. They actually uh, won the first quarter, 34-23. They uh, started the game on an 11-1, 13 13-3 uh, margin. I think they were up by 15 before the starters got any rest. And then uh, the Suns came back. And there was a little bit of controversy. Zona, were the Suns leading after three quarters or behind after three quarters in Friday night's game? They were... I want to say they're behind. First of all, did anyone actually watch it? Because <laughs> I didn't. I was out at I was out at first Friday down in uh, down in Phoenix. I watched. I it did. Later. It was it was rough. You're, I mean, yeah. we were all kind of waiting for that comeback to happen, like it always does, and it just it never really did. Yeah, third third quarter. I figured. I thought we had figured it out uh, at the end because we had. What I remember, <laughs> it, it's all that long ago. I remember us being down one going into the fourth. Yeah, it was a yeah. one-point game. I don't know if they're up by one or down by one. I can't remember. Yeah, so actually, a live game, the Suns were up 82 to 81. Wait a minute. Don't freak out, Steve Holler, who says now they've lost after leading going into the third. Um, somehow, the, the, the Memphis Grizzlies had lost a bucket in their own official scorer's um, uh, records. They were they had 80 points and all of a sudden they had 78 points through the end of the quarter. Early in the fourth quarter, they were back credited with a bucket and put the put which put the Grizzlies up by one at the end of three, 83-82. The streak is alive. The streak is alive, and I don't know if that it's was like I think it was Cole Michelson, the Suns' uh, PR director. Uh, he follows the team around. He sits in the front row. He's about three people away from the statisticians. He probably walked down the way and said, Hey man, are you sure the Grizzlies weren't up after three? Hmm? And then, so the Grizzlies actually, the, the scorekeepers, uh, back credited the Grizzlies with a bucket, but officially the Suns were up, excuse me, um, on the, on the live game, the Suns were up after three. Officially they were down after three. So the streak is alive. At 46 and 0. <laughs> fourth quarter team. We're a fourth quarter team. Well, shout out to Cole. That's uh that's clutch. <laughs> yeah, no, um the that's funny. Um Rick on, on TV, Suns were up two. Other people think the Suns were up one. The official score, if you look back at the box score, uh the, the Grizzlies were up by one after three. So the streak is alive. <laughs> Somehow, and and I'm going to give credit to Michael Schwartz. I don't know how many people here know. He's the only person at ESPN who is a Phoenix Suns fan. And that's because Mike Schwartz used to live in Phoenix, still lives in Phoenix, his parents do. Uh, And uh, he ran valleyofthesuns.com back when Valley of the Suns was uh, admittedly the best uh, local blog because they had not only Mike Schwartz, but they had Mike Schmitz. Both of those guys are huge now at ESPN. Schwartz behind the scenes for the most part. Schmitz um, obviously does the player preview, uh, the the draft uh, uh, prep and all that stuff. Both those guys are super popular, and now Valley of the Suns is no longer around um, much. I mean, they might be around, but I think anyway, um, they're not really there anymore. But back in the day, Schwartz and Schmitz had the best local Suns blog. He is still a Suns fan. He works at ESPN. He's a producer on the on the NBA Today, which is prior to the jump. 
And uh, he comes on Zach Lowe's podcast every once in a while. You guys might have heard him in just this week with Zach Lowe. He's the only Suns reporter ESPN has because they haven't assigned a beat writer to the best team in the NBA. Um, <clears throat> he, on Twitter last night, we went back and forth on where the Suns up or down after three. He went back and watched the tape before anybody else did. And at 143 left in the third quarter, Memphis lost a bucket. It just disappeared. They had 80, and all of a sudden they had 78. Um, that was recovered, and now the Suns were officially down after three quarters again. It's a weird feeling, but somehow now I feel so much better about this loss because now I'm like, ah, they didn't ruin us at all. We'll, we'll take them down next time. They don't know what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. So the Suns also, even though they lost um, being down going into the fourth, there's they still have a winning record being down going into the fourth quarter. And that's the first team to do that since the 2015 Kevin Durant uh, Golden State Warriors. So they've still got a couple of those. Oh my gosh, is a lie. That's, that's pretty incredible. All right. So <clears throat> Monty said they were entirely outplayed. Chris Paul said, you know what? We need to respect no matter who's out there, whatever uniform they're playing. Obviously the Suns came out and we're not expecting to get a game from the Memphis Grizzlies. And then even in the second quarter, Taylor, um, Taylor Jenkins was ejected for arguing a call. And the uh, the rest of the game was coached by backup uh, assistant head coach Darko Ryakovic, who was Monty Williams, uh, one of his assistants back in 2018-19, uh, um, 2019-20 as well. Um, and so actually two former assistants of Monty Williams won on Friday night. So it's almost like Monty didn't even lose. He's only been... In his iter latest iteration as head coach for three years, and he's already got the coaching tree alive and well. And uh, Willie Green is the other lead, the other assistant who won a game last night. Who did he beat, Brandon? Who did Willie Green beat last night? Uh, the G League team out in L.A. It was, it was an impressive <laughs> win. Uh, the G League eight. team in L.A. LeBron is offended. Please keep that same energy, Brandon. <laughs> Keep that same energy, please. That's my favorite tweet of all time. And then the one he made uh, last or yesterday for April Fools just aged very poorly as well. When he said he's done for the season, see you in in the fall. Yeah, he is. It looks like we season. actually might see you in the fall, Ron. <laughs> ben Gabriel. Oh, I love it. Sunders dunks the Larpers. Oh, that's good. L.A. <laughs> Larpers. Yes, because they are uh, role playing as NBA players. Wow. Uh, Anthony Davis came back. He looked uh, good for a few quarters, and then he got tired. And I actually think he started limping in the fourth, but um, I'm not going to I'm not no, going to say that's just, sure that's just how he that. walks. <laughs> that's his normal <laughs> movement now. He also did his uh, – he didn't score. I don't think he scored again after he did his patented uh, ping-pong ball, drive through multiple defenders, fall to the floor to get the foul call, even though he lost his own – his own uh, uh, balance. Um, yeah, so we've got the uh, Willie Green beat the Lakers to uh, really further put them out of their misery. Um, I actually, I just read that the Pelicans, by beating the Lakers on Friday night, actually guaranteed pretty much their taking of the Lakers' first-round pick in that in all that Anthony Davis trade that's still out there. 
Um, so the, the Pelicans will now get the Lakers pick in the draft, which will probably be around eighth or so before the lottery <laughs> or something like that. Um, so it's, it's pretty complicated. The Lakers owe it to somebody. It's just a matter of who they're giving it to. So, yeah, well, the Lakers, we may not see them in the playoffs, no matter what happens with Anthony Davis. Yeah. Um, okay, the next thing I wanted to go over is, speaking of the Grizzlies, four years ago, the three worst teams in the Western Conference were the Suns, the Grizzlies, and the Mavericks. Four years ago, 2017-18 season. Three worst teams in the in the conference. Suns, Grizzlies, and Mavs. That was leading into the 2018 draft. Um, at you know, A couple months later, the Suns would take Aiton and Bridges. Dallas would take Luka Doncic. And the Grizzlies, uh, a year after that, would take John Morant. And that year, they took Jaron Jackson. Now, uh, before Friday's uh, um, loss by the Mavericks by 30 to Kristaps Porzingis' Washington Wizards, they were the top three in the conference. I wonder if that is the first time that the three worst became the three best at least for a night in, in conferences within four years. Probably not. Four years is a bit. But that just shows you can really rebuild from the bottom through the draft if you draft properly. Tell that to the uh, Orlando Magic. Who I feel yeah, like well, not everybody. Yeah, exactly. Tell that to the Kings. <laughs> oh, the, oh, the Kings, best example, yeah. The Kings were fourth worst. <laughs> well, and, and they have to love how Marvin Bagley is uh, stuffing the stat sheet, as ESPN would report, uh, and his losses in uh, Detroit now. So, oh my yeah. God. I saw Josh Jackson's on the Kings. I had no yes. clue until I saw that. Like uh, I was watching a game the other night and just saw him on the bench clapping. I was like, oh, all right. I guess Jackson's on the Kings now. <laughs> Josh Jackson and Alex Len are both on the Kings. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Where's Dragon Bender at? Better give him a call. Uh, I think he's playing 10 minutes a game for his old, <laughs> old team over in Europe. Just needs another year of seasoning. I'm buying into it. I'm still developing. Remember the Sun Kings? <laughs> the we game we need Game of Zones back. I'm still developing. Come on, guys. <laughs> you said they had a real dragon. <laughs> yeah. You said they had a real dragon. That's right. Um, it's what's interesting is there's a lot of the same players. Otherwise, there's there's some of the same players, not a lot, I guess. Uh, Devin Booker and, and um, Aaron Fox are still on their teams anyway. Vlade is Vlade still there, or did he get replaced? He got replaced, didn't he? Replaced, right? I think he's gone, yeah. Yeah. or something like that. Okay. All right, uh, let's move on to the. Se- uh, well, actually, do you guys have any more to say about this week? takeaways anything uh anything more that we haven't covered yep i think we should do a 40 minute deep dive on the grizzlies film yeah uh, <laughs> yeah i'll just say um i i think uh our the you know the sun's jam guys did a pretty good job of kind of reminding us that there's really nothing more to play for uh in terms of uh we'll probably get our own personal sun's best record but we've locked up the first round there's no need to run offensive sets that are really complex or to show your hand in any way to me it's go out and win as much as you can but let's like get in top shape but try and keep everyone healthy uh while we're doing it so it's it's a little different mindset than 
what the Grizzlies do where everyone's sore all of a sudden and needs rest. The Suns are still playing their guys, but that's because Cam Johnson looks super winded last night. I mean, he's going to yeah. need to get his, uh, you know, cardio back up. Chris Paul is going to want to keep doing that. And these guys that, I mean, you never know when somebody's going to go down with an injury where all of a sudden Torrey Craig's going to go back from, you know, 12 minutes a game to 28 minutes a game. So it's, it's good. I think for him to continue to kind of uh, uh, play competitive ball, but they don't have to uh, sweat uh, these losses right now. Definitely. And in all seriousness, I do think, uh, if you're going to lose two games or not, I would consider the Warriors game a loss, even though they won. Cause that was just, you know, I think they consider it a loss too, just with how Ooh. they're uh, the sun, the, the sun? sun's losing to the Warriors. Yeah. The way they're, they're working out after that game just, you know, they played very sloppy and I don't think they're satisfied. So I think going in the playoffs with that taste in your mouth with the Warriors and Grizzlies is good for the Suns because we've seen this year, every single time they have a game like that, where they come out flat, they try to make a statement the very next time they play them. So, I think uh, those are two of the, the teams in the West that, you know, that are already kind of circled as like Western Conference, um, you know, semi or, you know, championship opponents. So if, if they end up matching up against them, I love that that's the last taste they had in their mouth because, you know, we've seen what they do whenever they play like that. Yeah, we've noticed since the, um, uh, let's see, where where'd you where'd you go? There you are, Rick. Try some stuff. Um, we've seen the Suns since the uh, All-Star break actually try a lot of stuff. And it's just happened to work out to the point where they're still winning games. Uh, the Suns have tried playing DeAndre Ayton in different roles and, and having him more on the perimeter away from the basket. And it took him a little while to figure out how to still get his double-digit rebounds and help the Suns in rebounding, even though he doesn't start out near the basket um, having to dive down. They've done a lot of things. Uh, it's quite possible they they just completely uh, wiped the offensive game plan uh, you know, uh, away last night in Friday night's game, and none of us have looked close enough at the film to – to figure it out. Um, but the, what's interesting is that the Grizzlies um, are a unique opponent, right? They, they play the game a little bit differently than everybody else does. And that's part of the reason they're winning. Now, the question is, can they keep it up in the playoffs? And uh, we should have a whole pod on our op opinion of whether they can keep it up in the playoffs. I had a midweek pod, an interview with a blogger for the Grizzlies a couple of weeks ago, and he sh and he actually expressed some concern over his own team. I mean, he's a beat writer, so he's objective, but he's watched every single Grizzlies game. And you can be objective, so you can say what you might be concerned about. And he's concerned that the Grizzlies live on generating turnovers, getting open court baskets, things like that. And that usually goes away or diminishes in the playoffs because everybody tightens up in the playoffs and the game slows down and all that, which is to the Suns' benefit. The Suns are the best half-court offense team in the league, and they're one of the lowest turnover rate teams in the league. But the Grizzlies can get you anyway. Uh, and so can the Grizzlies keep up all that running and gunning and open-court basketball and all that in the playoffs is a big question. What won't go away for the Grizzlies is their ability to offensive rebound. And what won't go away for the Suns is their inability to gang rebound. I don't know. Look, let's just accept the fact that um, Jay Crowder, Mikel Bridges, and Cam Johnson are not interested in uh, being huge rebounders. They just they just don't have the knack for rebounding in traffic. 
They get rebounds uh, when there's nobody else around. Now, Jay sometimes shows that affinity um, and gets in there and gets those rebounds, but he doesn't have the vertical verticality to out-jump somebody. Um, but he can he can body. Uh, so when the Suns break, break even on rebounds, they're almost unbeatable. But when they get killed on rebounds, that's when they lose. So that's the takeaway I would have. And, and uh, I'm still using the word exposed because it's true. Exposed does not mean you can't overcome it. Exposed means... It's a problem that you need to figure out how to overcome so you don't get exposed again. And the Suns need to figure out how to, when another team is just gang rebounding on the offensive end and defensive end, that the Suns keep up with that. So, um, yeah, Darth Voida also, the Grizzlies number three in pace. A lot of that number three in pace for the Grizzlies is because they get steals. They, they lead the league in steals, deflections, blocks, all that stuff. They lead the league in those things. That's what gets them third in pace because they're always in open court and they're scoring as quickly as they can. But in half court, where do the Grizzlies rank in the in half court offense where they're actually walking the ball up? The bottom third in the league. Slow them down. Don't give them turnovers. They're going to be more beatable. But then that's, that's what playoff basketball is all about, too. So that's why I'm not like this could be a hot take. I. I'll take it if it backfires, but I'm not concerned with the Grizzlies in the playoff series. I just don't see them beating the Suns if they're healthy in seven games. There's just the way they play is just not going to translate as well to the playoffs as people think and plain and simple. Uh, Rick Johnson comment of the day, man <laughs> exposed is like a nip slip. It can be covered. Yes. Except if you're exposed is that you can get uh, uh, out rebounded by gang rebounding on the Suns, the Suns need a new set of bras. So, okay. I need, I need to create a new thumbnail now. <laughs> Suppose is the new nip slip. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's it. Um, I do have a, the only concern I have is that the Suns, it, they showed it against the Bucks. And Bucks, by the way, guess what? One of the only losses of March to the Bucks was when the Bucks gang rebounded on them. They out rebounded them by like I think it was either 16 or 21, something like that, in that in that Sunday afternoon game. <clears throat> when you out rebound the Suns, you're more likely to be able to win. Shocker analysis, hashtag analysis. So the Suns gotta gotta level off that rebounding, and it's not. DeAndre Ayton had 12 rebounds in that game last night, Friday night, and uh JaVale McGee had 12 rebounds off the bench. That's plenty of rebounds from your centers. The problem is everybody else. Eddie Johnson said it. We all need to pick up on sometimes what Eddie Johnson says. No matter whether he sounds like this generation's Harry Carey or not, that dude knows what he's talking about. Well, I, I, was, I, I don't know if it was uh, last night's game or against the Warriors, but there was a, a specific play, and, and I think we saw this a lot, I know, during the Grizzlies game for sure, is uh, the Grizzlies uh, would shoot a long three, and nobody would put a man on anyone, uh, and then yeah. – the long rebound would go back out to a shooter or a Grizzlies player would tap it back out. And there was a specific play. I think it was last night where Jay Crowder sprinted at the shooter, jumped up for a block, obviously went way past him. The guy got the ball off and Jay just started running down the court because he thought the team was going to get the rebound. And then they tipped it back out to that same shooter and he shot it again and he made it. And I just thought that's not what's going to happen in the playoffs uh, like, cause Jay doesn't go on fast breaks, uh, where they, they chuck it up to him and he goes and slams it down. So he doesn't need to hurry to the other end of the court, uh, <laughs> and get in position. He, most of his threes come within 
half court or when they drive and they drop it back off to him. So uh, yeah. I, I think, I, I, you know, I could see them just kind of like, hey, just run up and try and get a nasty little block shot here. And and that's kind of, and then, you know, when the playoffs come, it's okay, we're back to, you know, fundamentals. Yeah, Herbie asked a question. Herbie Villafranca, a uh, big fan of the show. Uh, would you say the Suns didn't want to show any cards to the Grizzlies or was it more experimentation? I really just think it was the energy. The Suns did not have any. And the Grizzlies had in, in abundance. And that these games can happen. And that's why even after the game, Chris Paul's just like, you know what? We just got to play another game. We got to respect them better and play, play another game. Devin Booker is usually hella pissed off after a loss. He didn't even seem that pissed off after this loss. I think they all just realized that they it was their fault they lost the game, not anything the other team did. And when the Suns don't have energy is when they get killed on rebounds. So um, that's that's my takeaways. Okay, we spent half an hour recapping the week. Let's move on to our big uh, part uh, part of the show today. And I'm not a, I'm not a great graphics guy, so uh, I don't have anything for you. So I'm just going to put up in the chat. Um, who should win the Marley Hustle Award this year? Now, um, Brandon, take us through the history a little bit on the on the Marley Hustle Award. Tell us what what it's all about. Yeah, so the first year was back in 2003. Um, could you guys guess who won that award? The first one? Very first one, 2003. 2003. Ah, uh, okay, so 2003, that was obviously pre-Steve Nash, uh, but they did have Amari on that team. I don't think they had Barbosa. Oh, crap. 2003. All right, we need some votes in the in the chat. We got the Matrix. Lou Amundsen, Banks. he was not on the team yet. No, this is not 2003. Marcus Banks. Uh, Marcus Banks. <laughs> well, I remember there's a couple guys Hustling that home after the Hustle Award winners that was kind of like, we don't even really like you that much. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to those later. Is that a participation <laughs> trophy? <laughs> so... One more guess each, and then I'm going to oh, spoil oh, oh, oh. Okay. The Boom. Matrix. Uh, Fabio has the Matrix. Boom. What? It was Bo Outlaw. Bo oh, Outlaw. Sons legend. Dude. Defensive powerhouse. Bo Outlaw was the Tory Craig of his generation. Yeah, I could see that, sure. <laughs> so Bo he Outlaw. was the very first winner. Uh, the last right. three, obviously, Mikhail won last year. Uh, Javon Carter in 2020, um, well-deserved. He was a huge part of their their bubble success and yeah. culture change that year. Um, and then 2019, Mikel Bridges won it. So those are the last three winners. So if Mikel wins it this year, which I personally think he should, then that would be a three-peat. Can you guess who the last Suns player to three-peat in this award was? This one should be easy. Yeah, P.J. Tucker, P.J. man. Tucker. Yep. He, he like six-peated or something. Four straight, okay. Yep. I remember – PJ uh, talking to him in the locker room after he won his fourth in a row. And this was while the Suns were just God awful. Um, he was like, man, I am tired of winning this award. We need other, we need more hustlers on this team. I want someone else to win this award. <laughs> All right. My next question is who won it in 2012, the year before PJ began his four feet. Hey, let's take just a minute to talk about our friends at DraftKings. 
college basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers, just bet 5 bucks on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do win. It's that simple. They win, you win. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. That is a lot of money. Jump in there, get involved, and you can make some money too. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. That's T-B-P-N. Bet $5 on any college hoots team to win, and you'll get $200 in free bets if they do. They win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Got to be 21 plus. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. 2012. Good Lord. That was the last Steve Nash year. Unless you guys Google this, I just don't think you're going to get it. So if you guess it right, I think you're cheating. Sebastian Jalen Rose. All right, you're cheating. Back in the of the... <laughs> He's just the one I remember. I was always it, like, it why was Sebastian Telfair. Yes. Sebastian Telfair? Yep. Holy crap. Seabass. <clears throat> wow. It wasn't uh, Alondo Tucker, uh, obviously. Yeah, right. Um, who oh, else? Gosh. I just remember Dudley him from was the Steve not. Nash uh, was Dudley on the team? Yeah, he was in 2012. That's yeah. true. Dudley uh, did Sawbucks, guess Grand Hill or Robin Lopez. That's right. I Those were all good yeses. Dudley yeah. won in 2010, so he's he Dudley is a winner. 2010. The uh, most athletic hands in the NBA. Jared Dudley. Do you guys remember that? Oh, that's right. <laughs> JMZ TV. JMZ uh, TV. That's right. All right, next one, 2009, who won? Oh, my gosh, 2009. I'd say uh, Earl Clark. Yeah, Darth Void, Earl Clark. <laughs> um, 2009, let's give people in the chat time to make some guesses here. 2009. Uh, 2009, Shaq, was he uh, the guy who actually got the Hustle Award that year? Nope. <laughs> did uh um, did lou amundsen ever win one yep. coach you're too good at this game it's it, was lou? Yeah. it was lou oh my mr. god mr. Lou amundsen. i just remember he was always very upset because there was like a fan poll back when they had what was it uh uh like the orange side of the planet or something the, the phoenix sun's website had like some sort of fan Planet like, Orange. Planet Orange, thank you. Yeah, like, but they have like kind With of their no own forum. Like, yeah, <laughs> and uh, I remember there. I think it was something to do with that. But there was like, what should uh, lose a nickname be? And they interviewed him. He's like, oh, how about Thor or something like this? And the number one thing came up, lightning. And he's like, it's okay. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like I, I don't, lightning, Lou. Okay, yeah, I guess. Lightning Lou. Yeah. Right. Like anyone that bikes their way to the arena every say, day has to has to win it, you know. Bike um, riding Lou. That's right. Yep. And you know so, what? That's a great way to get around traffic though. True. Especially these days in Phoenix with all these California transplants. Go back to California, exactly. please. Um <laughs> All right, last one. 2018. This one is pretty recent, so you guys should get it, but it still just cracks me up. 2013? 18. 18 2000, 2000 was anybody did they give the hustle award that year mm, nobody <laughs> deserved it 
2018. I remember that was the year nobody deserved it. I'm trying to remember who actually got it though. Somebody had to get it. Well, Josh Jackson, right, let's, let's, Rick, let's Rick Johnson in the chat says Josh Jackson, TJ Warren, Darth Voida guesses. Oh, TJ. Was that the year TJ started learning how to shoot three pointers? Nope. Uh, I think that was the year after. Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. Please don't tell me he's one of the Morris brothers. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I'm trying to remember the, the 2018 team. Fabio they... guesses Markeith. That could be Marcus, too. Was Marcus still there? I'm, I'm losing track of the rosters. Uh, Devin Booker. Nope. Okay. 2018. Isaiah Canaan? Negative. Uh, oh, uh, Sawbucks. D'Anthony uh, Melton? Nope. Good guess, but... Fabio Tyson Chandler? Darth Voida, Ryan McDonough? <laughs> Jamal Crawford. Was he that year? So, someone in the chat already got it. Year. I'll just say that. Oh, Was okay. that someone in the chat got it? Josh Jackson? Yep. Josh Jackson. Josh, Jackson. that's why he still. That was an honorary award, man, because there was nobody who deserved it that year. Could you imagine his agent every time he's looking for a new team? He's like, "Well, he is the Dan Marley Hustle Award winner of 2018, so you probably <laughs> want this guy on your team." Don't Google anything else about him, though. With Josh Jackson and Phoenix, you won't like what you read. But everything else, award winner. Wow. Yeah, that that one cracked me up. Just going through it, Josh and then Big Jackson. Sauce the year before. Alan Williams. Yep. Those oh. were dark days, man. Those I always wanted Big pickings. Sauce to come back, man. Like, I, I thought he should always have come back as, like, the last man. He was that high-energy bench guy. And he would actually rebound, which is useful right now. In this. Dude, was this generation's Oliver Miller. <laughs> and, I mean, no offense, extremely athletic. Oliver Miller was a great player until he topped 350. And Alan Williams never did that. So there's no offense at all to Alan Williams. A huge rebounder, great rebounder. What my favorite uh, was his his little floater in the lane before Rishon Holmes made it um, a thing, you know, the little one-handed floater in the lane. Uh, Alan Williams would do that on pick and rolls with Tyler Eulis. And he had the little one-leg kick, like, you know, when the old, uh, you know, when when you'd kiss somebody, you'd kick a leg back or a female would. So he always had the little back kick with one leg on his floater to gain his balance, I guess. So he was he was good at it. Um, yeah. So that's Alan Big Sauce Williams. He still tweets um, yeah. about the Suns. I, so I follow yeah. him on. He grew up there. here and he's a diehard mm-hmm. Suns fan. So that's why it was always cool to see him play with I the I think Suns. his mom is still chief of police here in right. yep. the city of Phoenix. Yep. So uh, now to close this out, let's go through and everyone just kind of make their pick of who you think should win it this year. We'll start with right. with uh, Dave here. 2022, who should win the Marley Hustle Award? Now, the opposite of 2017-18 is happening where it was an honorary, got to give it to someone. Well, Josh Jackson moves a lot, so we'll give it to him. Let's uh, This year, everybody's a hustler and the Suns have what they call a wear down effect, which they actually wore themselves down on Friday. But uh, they have this wear down effect where they out hustle everybody throughout the whole game. Obviously, Mikel Bridges is the epitome of hustle because of his, he plays almost 40 minutes a game and he's constantly moving. Nobody runs more miles on defense. Nobody run more, runs more miles period in a game. I think it is. And uh, Mikel Bridges definitely, 
Um, but I'm going to go off the beaten path because that's an obvious one. I'm going to say Cameron Payne. That dude, everything he does on the court is hustling. Never stands still, always moving, always driving. And I will never, personally will never forget that one month stint where he had to play Chris Paul. See, he was LARPing as Chris Paul for a month, and he actually did extremely well at it. The dude averaged 15 points and 10 assists in starts when Chris Paul was out. That's incredible. And and that's not his game. His game is head down, drive to the hoop, hit threes, all that stuff. He started hitting his threes again. Um, so I'm I'm a big fan of campaign, huge fan of campaign. And I'm going to guess him for my Marley Hustle Award this year. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a few different ways you could look at it, right? I feel like we're the uh, MVP debate guys right now. We're just like, well, most important to their team or best stats overall. But, I mean, you could give it to um, – uh, I think uh, JaVel McGee actually would be a pretty good one because he's that ultimate hustler for – he's got 15 to 20 minutes to just uh, get rebounds and put shots in and block things. Uh, Mikel is just Mr. Iron Man, though. Most games played – I feel like he's always playing 40-plus minutes, even if he doesn't log it. He looks like he's just putting so much more time into the game than some of the other players. Um, you could do kind of like a nice thing for uh, – what's his, what's the new player's name? Uh, Gabriel Lundberg. I mean, he hustled from Russia all the way to the Ife. United States. Uh, yeah. And that's so, hustling. And actually, he's at the that game is now. A, that is a hell of a hustle. Yeah. Now, that's – we he need was that kind already, of He was already – sorry to interrupt, Coach. Oh no! Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say I loved it when they when he got interviewed this past week. He was already uh, playing his for his best team ever, Sheshka Moscow, and um, he had been like Player of the Year in much lower division leagues and stuff like that. Um, and he and John Hollinger actually had him. I don't know if anyone noticed this. Ife Lundberg was the twenty like ranked twenty third best free agent last summer for greater than mid level value. So he had all these guys, and then he put Ife Lumberg down there at twenty third, of his better than better than uh, minimum. Sorry, better than minimum, less than mid level, right there in between. So Ife Lumberg was already on the on the on the uh, radar for NBA teams, and uh, he was at Cheska Moscow. They had that. They have got their war going on. And he's like, Nah, I'm gonna leave. He left. And he signs on to play with the Suns, the best team in the entire world. So, yeah, he's got a – maybe he should get the Hustle Award. That's a good call, Coach. Yeah, something different. Uh, and I, I think it's interesting. If you look at the roster, I almost feel that we added more Hustle players after the season began. I think uh, mm-hmm. Tory Craig – and I wonder what an uh, Aaron Holiday would do um, if, it, if he had a full season with us right. and Alfred Payton was not on the team uh, because then he could just be – that bulldog on defense to come in kind of like campaign comes in to light up the scoreboard real fast. Holiday could come in and just really upset <laughs> the other team's guards. Um, and, but yeah, I have to, I have to give it to Mikel though. In the end, I, I you know, he just does so much for this team and that's so where he's going to get the love. Perplex says it's a hustle award and he doesn't play defense campaign. I'm not sure what games you've been watching. Nothing. Look, man, I love you. You're a great fan. I love you being in the chats all the time. You are a huge Suns fan, all that. But campaign actually plays really good defense. 
really good defense. His only problem is he he commits fouls a little bit too often sometimes, but he busts his butt on defense, and he uh, he gets he gets kudos from his team constantly about that. So, uh, but he's he's not he's not a shot blocker, and he doesn't he's not Mikael Bridges, so he doesn't get credit. But man, he's big part of the re- big part of the reason the Suns are number two in defense this year. Yeah, I'll never um, forget him and Javon Carter in the bubble. Just their their full court press on defense that mm-hmm. you know that just carried over into you know this, all the success they've had. Just he's always playing 100 miles an hour for better or worse. All right, who do you think, Brandon? It's Mikel Bridges. Uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of options this year, which is a good thing. I think, you know, it just speaks to the culture here that the team has so many options to choose from, like a campaign or a Jay Crowder, JaVale McGee, uh, guys like that. But uh, even Devin Booker, who I think's really stepped up his energy level in the regular season when it would have been easy for him to kind of coast a little bit more this year after a finals run. But um, even in the, in the Olympics, he, he was just, you know, Mr. Hustle, Mr. Like role player. So shout out to Book. But it's it's Mikel. I mean, plain and simple. Three P. There's no photo fatigue here. Uh, no media bias. It's it's Mikel Bridges. Fabio, uh, should we give it to Stick? Showed some hustle by becoming relevant. <laughs> That's good. That's right. um, earlier, uh, one of our guys. I'm going to scroll through and try to find it. Abdel Nader could get the hustle award. <laughs> oh, <laughs> one because Monty loves him. Fabio. One, because Monty loves him, and two, because he actually got a full-year contract out of uh, only playing, what, one game this year? I don't know how many games he played, but... I man, feel bad for him, for him man. I, like, if you follow... Uh, so I usually follow the Suns roster on social media, uh, because that's kind of... You can get some of the behind-the-scenes, uh, like JaVale does a lot of great videos, kind of in the locker room with the team yeah. afterwards and stuff like that. Um, and Major, he pumps people up pregame, too. He's the he's the ringleader of... of yeah, when up. did DeAndre Ayton... I, I love that, like, uh, the kind of, like, the dog barking deal, and then you see... DA like sneak up under everyone in the pile and start like barking on all fours at people. And it's like, that would be so terrifying just walking down the hallway, like if you're security and just some seven footer just crawls out from under a pile of people barking at you. Uh, but no, uh, Nader, if you look at his social media and uh, it's kind of sad now and I feel bad for the guy because I thought, I thought he tried really hard. I mean, like I never, like, whereas I look at Alfred Payton and I'm like, I, why are you even here? You don't look like you even want to be here. Be like an Eric Bledsoe and say you want to not be here so we can get rid of but you. But you know what? Alfred Payton must be cool because he's always hanging around these guys, though. Like he was, he was, the, he was, he went to the Waste Management Phoenix Open. He's walking right next to with Chris Paul and Devin Booker down on the on the field. Maybe he's okay. the one with the passes. I don't know. But anyway, you know, you always have yeah. that guy who gets you the passes, and so you bring him along. <laughs> uh, maybe that's it. But I think Chris Paul probably has his own connections, so I doubt that. Um, hey, Rick Johnson has a suggestion. We should pick our all-hustle team. God, I love that. Um, let's make that a segment next week, Brandon. Let's do that. All-hustle team. All-time all-hustle team. You got to have PJ on there. You got to have Mikel on there. But who else makes the All Hustle team? That's interesting. Dudley. Grant, Grant, Grant Hill won it twice, by the way. He's a him and Tucker are the only other two that have won it besides Mikel multiple times. So shout out to Grant yeah. Hill. He had a nice. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I was like very impressed with his uh, late career resurgence in Phoenix. That was just, oh yeah, totally remade himself. Yeah. you guys aren't quite old enough. But um, back in the 90s, Grant Hill was one of the best players in the entire league with triple doubles every night, could score on anybody. 
It's just incredible. He was one of the best players ever to play the game. And then Dave, all we saw was we the, one of the best role players. This is the 90s. Were you guys even <laughs> we were, like... We were around in the 90s. You guys 90s. were still breastfeeding in the 90s. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jeez. I don't know if you guys have heard of this player. His name's Michael Jordan. And no, shut up. You didn't see Charles it live. You guys weren't watching the game live. You guys watched like the uh, the recaps and the YouTubes. And, and the, the, you're like... Why is it's it square? <laughs> you know, like, why is the TV picture square? You know, that's you guys. That was an amazing <laughs> old man. Why is, why right is right the there. picture jumpy? You know, that's, yeah. Dave, that's what this show needs. Not only you know is it's so an, an old man rant about like, yeah, yeah. Back in yeah. my son's old days. You know what's really annoying, rant. though, about old uh, watching those classic games is they did not have the score up constantly. They only occasionally uh, yeah. told you the score of the game. And I'm like, what the hell's happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I old man to my old man. Okay. All right. So uh, let's. Uh, so we got the Marley Hustle Award, um, probably Mikel Bridges, but um, there are other candidates. And, and, yeah, the entire team could win a Hustle Award. Let's move on to true or false. Four burning questions. Brandon, take us away. All right, so we already kind of touched on this a little bit, but uh, true or false, the Grizzlies can beat the Suns in a playoff series. Start with Coach. True, but there's going to be some things that need to break their way. Um, I think yeah, there's there's something about it. To me, the, the Grizzlies are kind of like um, Suns light right now. They have a very deep team, as, as evidenced last night, um, but they don't have that kind of closer uh in abundance that the Suns have. I mean, the Suns can go to Paul, we can go to Booker, and even in flashes, uh, Aiton's actually been able to put some clutch points together in those kind of clutch minutes at the end. It's, as, as you were pointing out, Dave, it's primarily for the Grizzlies, if they get into that, hey, we need a basket at the very end, it's usually John Morant trying to do iso ball, which is amazing because that team is so deep, but I don't know yeah. if it's a trust issue or it's just not what the coach is calling up. Uh, but I think... They could be – they're definitely got a good shot to try and beat the Suns. I would still lean towards the Suns, though. But they it's – I'd say true. They could win. What do you uh, – you want me to go second? Yeah, Dave, go ahead. Can or will? So can is the question. Can, yes. And the reason is because they are completely unfazed by pressure at this point. We don't know what they're going to do in the playoffs. Last year – uh, they were they were pretty brash, and they lost four straight to Utah. I mean, anyone who loses four straight to Utah probably wasn't ready to be there in the playoffs. I mean, nothing nothing against Utah, but a lot against Utah, okay? This is all against Utah. Utah should not win four straight against you. Um, anyway, so the Grizzlies lost four straight after winning that opening game, and that's the kind of way I see a playoff series going is what Memphis will get you a couple of times I see a Memphis series kind of going like the Clippers series last year where uh, the Clippers got the Suns in the middle of the series like a little bit and scared them just a little bit until the Suns said, now nah, we're done and closed it out. Um, the, the Grizzlies have particular ways to win. And if they get those particular things working, they can beat anybody. The Suns can beat you anyway. They just have to execute. And so that's why the Suns are going to win a series. But I'll tell you that the Grizzlies can win if you never adjust to their their hive mentality. Basically, they just attack you in droves 
And if you can't adjust to it and you're constantly not taking the punch and recovering, then yeah, I, I can see Memphis winning series um, in the playoffs. Can they beat the Suns? No, I don't see. I don't think Chris Paul will allow that to happen. I don't think Devin Booker will allow that to happen. I think DeAndre Aiden will step up. I think the the forwards will figure out that they've got a gang rebound or at least box out, uh, so Memphis doesn't come in there. And I mean, uh, John Conkar, he had what he had a game. He had 17 rebounds at one point. The dude's six five, so uh, in one game this year. So I think. We just need to, the Suns need to be focused, and it's really hard to beat the Suns. So, gonna beat the playoffs in a playoff, Suns in a playoff series? No, but can they? Yeah, they can beat anybody. Yeah, no, think, I, I agree with that, that take. I do think um, having home court advantage is huge for the Suns so against a team like that in particular, because I think, you know, the Grizzlies coming into the footprint center and that environment. Um, I just see the Suns taking those first two games because it's just gonna be a different level of effort and energy than. You know, obviously that game last night is not the best game to talk about this after just because it seems a little deflating. But uh, I think totally when you, when you really think about it in the footprint center, the Suns, just the way they play um, in that environment, I just can't see them losing the Grizzlies. And I think they're going to go to Memphis up 2-0. And from there, all you got to do is split. And I, I definitely could see the Grizzlies, you know, taking a game or two at home just you know, with the way they play. They're very high energy. They get the crowd involved. But um, starting that series with a 2-0 cushion, just I think it's going to be too much for them. And like Coach mentioned, like they only have one guy that can really get you buckets when you need it in Morant, um, and the Suns have two closers. So that's that's the main difference. I think late game execution is going to be in the Suns' favor and just, you know, the bend there, done that. Um, the Grizzlies have had an awesome season. Uh, I enjoy watching them play. They're one of the, you know, the best league pass teams to watch, and I think they've exceeded expectations without John Morant. But the way they play, I just don't think is going to translate as well as you'd think in the playoffs. Because once you slow them down and get them in that half court and really game plan for them, um, I'm excited to see what Monty does and has in store for that. Because I think it's going to be a completely different look than what we've seen in the regular season. So uh, can they? Yes. But ultimately, false. I totally agree with you that we'll see a different Suns attack offensively and defensively in the playoffs if they face the Grizzlies than we've seen in the regular season. Totally agree with you. Um, yeah, so the the Grizzlies, interestingly, are now 20-2 without Jaw. So that means their record with Jaw is 35-21. and 21. Yeah. I'm excited they're going to be worse come the playoff time than when Jaw comes back. <laughs> <laughs> that is a total joke. It's a total joke. It's the same joke that everyone's saying, well, the Suns are better without Aiton because they're 18-3 and three without him. But not in the playoffs, right? So ja, they'll actually be better with John ja in the playoffs. However, that does make them a little jaw centric, like you said, Brandon. One of the reasons they're bottom third in half court offense is because Jaw kind of gets his head down and, and decides he's going to score a lot. And the Suns are completely that team that just keeps passing, passing, passing until they get the right shot, or Chris Paul creates the right shot for somebody. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, what's our second true false? So this one, we can keep this short because we already talked about it uh, earlier in the podcast, but uh, we true or fa false, we should be concerned about the rebounding issues. Absolutely true. Sons got to bust their butts. Non-centers need to bust their butts getting rebounds. It is just not in the wheelhouse of Mikel and uh, um, Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson. It needs to become their wheelhouse somehow. One or two more per person. Per game is all you need. 
and that can make the big difference. Exactly. I think it's it's less about you know um, Jay or uh, like Booker even getting the rebounds themselves, but putting their body on someone else so Aiden doesn't have to box out one guy and then see two other guys crashing uh, next to him and be like, what am I supposed to like? How am I supposed to rebound with three guys crashing the glass against me? Uh, so they just they don't have to totally get the ball and go. Just just seal them out enough until D.A. can and handle it and then start running. Well, and DA is the one often and people don't give DA credit for boxing out. Um, he does box out some. He's just not like the master. He's not he's not um, he's not Stephen Adams on the box outs and all that stuff. But he's definitely he, he does his job. That's not the problem. The problem is everybody else. What yeah, do you think? And, Brandon? And it's also scheme, too, because obviously he can guard on the perimeter. So when he's out there. You know, everyone else needs to step up. So it's it's a you know it's always been gang rebounding. So um, <clears throat> you can't have it both ways. You can't have a guy that's switchable and can help you out on the perimeter, but then at the same time, you know, get on him for not grabbing re- like every rebound. So <clears throat> the rest of the team needs to step up. I think I don't think it's going to be as much of an issue in the playoffs as it has been in the regular season because it's like based on effort. So um, I do think it's an area of concern and it's something to kind of you know put a check mark next to, but. Ultimately, I think when the playoffs come around, the, the effort's going to be there. Yeah, you know, and you and when you talk about scheme, the other thing we haven't mentioned yet, uh, Zona, is that the Suns' scheme is to be the best transition defense in the league, and they're second or third in that, depending on the day. Um, second or third best at stopping transition scoring. Now, it didn't look like that on Friday night, um, and sometimes doesn't against a team like Memphis, who lives on transition scoring. But the Suns are second or third in the league on on transition defense, and you don't get, you can't gang rebound on on, on the uh, yeah, you can't gang rebound on the offensive end, and have good transition defense if you didn't get that rebound. They they don't happen. Teams that are bad on transition defense are probably not bad on on getting offensive rebounds. Defensive rebounds, the Suns want to score in transition. They're actually one of the better scoring per per possession on transition in the league. They're one of the, I think they're in the top five now um, in scoring in transition when they get out there and they're um, up to ninth in pace this year because they're getting out in transition more. And again, if you're gang rebounding, you have less guys who can pop out for transition scores. So the Suns would rather be really good in transition on both ends than gang rebound. However, you can't get out rebounded by 15. You just can't. You can get out rebounded by two. That's okay. That's the that's the conundrum that uh, that Monty Williams is going to have to solve is 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 matching their scheme to a team that kills you at the rebounding end. Yeah, second chance points and just 50-50 balls. That was kind of the storyline of the finals too. It seemed like the Bucks yeah. won all those, and that was that was the difference there. So I think just locking in, making sure you uh, you're engaged for the whole play. Um, but all right, third question. This is my favorite question of, of the day. Um, True or false, the Lakers will miss the playing games. We'll start with Coach. Oh, yes, that's true. Uh, I was uh, looking at that, uh, and it looks like what? The Lakers are playing the Nuggets, the Suns, the Warriors, the Thunder, and the Nuggets to close it out. Wow. And I think the next, uh, the closest would be they probably have to beat out the Spurs, right? So the Spurs have yeah. to play the Blazers, uh, who didn't they just play? I think they just destroyed them uh, yep, last night. Just played them. And so, sorry to cut you off, but real quick, uh, the Lakers are also technically two games behind the Spurs because the Spurs have a tiebreaker over them. 
So uh, right now they they are one game back technically, but they would have to pass them in order to to make that yeah. play in spot. So it's yeah. theoretically a two game lead. And so yeah, the uh, Spurs. Uh, so they they'll take on the uh, Trailblazers tomorrow. Should be a win. Uh, and then the Nuggets, uh, the Timberwolves, the Warriors, and the Mavericks. So not easy schedules, but it might you might run into the fact that as we get closer towards the end that those playoff teams might be kind of in a locked position. And so I, I think uh, Popovich might want to show some love to uh, his coaching tree, Monty, and then uh, what, Willie Green, uh, the branches continue going. And, That's right. Uh, and so he'll say, hey, I'll help uh, New Orleans. And uh, actually, I kind of want to see the Lakers in the first round now so that we can wreck them. But uh, I'll, I'll equally be satisfied with them just flat out missing it. I'm really curious how the end of the season is going to go because Dallas right now is basically tied for the three, four uh, with golden state uh, with the three, four positions. If Dallas can get up to three, then um, you know, they don't have to play that four or five matchup um, and uh, they don't have to play Phoenix until the conference finals, if they win through there. So there's a, there's a, there's a value in getting the three, over the four and then Denver who the Lakers played twice. You said um, Denver is t- tied right now with Utah. Basically <clears throat> they're one, one game back in the loss column, same number of wins uh, for the five, six and the same reason. So it, it, depending on where teams want to end up, who they want to play and who they don't want to play, there could be some weird um, resting situations. I remember a year ago, Denver, remember that final day of the season? The Suns didn't really have anything left to play for because um, the Jazz had locked up the number one seed. But remember, Denver actually didn't play anybody their final game of the season because they wanted to drop down in seeding uh, so that they could get the Portland Trailblazers in the first round, which was good for them, turned out to be good for them. But then it wasn't good for them in the second round against the Suns. Um, so sometimes you kind of shoot yourself in the foot with your with your angling for position for seeding. Uh, but Denver will also have to beat out Minnesota. They're two ga- the Minnesota just beat them last night, and they're two games ahead of Minnesota right now to keep the sixth spot. Denver does not want to drop down into seven. So they're going to want to beat the Lakers. They've got two games against the Lakers. They're going to want to beat, beat the Lakers in those two games. And, of course, the Suns never want to lose to the Lakers, especially after what Anthony Davis said. And now Davis will be playing on Tuesday. So that is going to be a focused game by the Suns. So the Lakers, I think, are definitely out. So I'm going to say true. The Lakers will miss the play-in games. Yeah, I agree. Just looking at the Lakers' schedule, their their next game, uh, you know, tomorrow on ABC against Denver, I think uh, pretty much that's a make-or-break game for them. If they lose that, they're completely done because I think the Spurs will beat the Blazers, and at that point it will be pretty much a three-game lead with four left to play. And then the Lakers got the Suns after that. So – um, pretty much the only way the Lakers stand a chance is winning these next two games against Denver and, and Phoenix, and then hoping the Spurs just, you know, somehow choke a game against the the Blazers. But uh, it's looking pretty slim. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, this weird part of me feels like the Lakers will weasel their, their way in. Just, um, just being that scarred Suns fan, you know, that's that's just even though logically it seems like it's not going to happen. There's just there's just something about that team that they'll they'll find some you know way to sneak in and it'll be annoying, but then they'll get smacked in the the plan hopefully, or if not, like Coach said, by the Suns in the first round because I'd love a rematch. I'd, I want them fully healthy. I want yeah. no excuses. Bring it. They would have to. Lakers would have to win, even if 
the Lakers kept that 10 spot, which is hilarious, by the way. But even if they got the 10 spot, they would have to win two play-in games. The Lakers have not won two games in a row in 2022. And they have what five Hall of Famers on that team? I mean, you, uh, LeBron. Yeah, who's gonna Who's gonna Who's gonna beat this team? Remember that uh, media day picture? Oh, exactly. <laughs> yes, uh, I saw. I think so says Jay uh, tweeted that out again this morning. Yeah, but did. yeah, I, I saw uh, <laughs> LeBron, Russell Westbrook, uh, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, and uh, Carmelo Anthony. I mean, you can't get better than the tenth seed you with can't, five Hall of Famers. You can't beat that team in 2014. That's, That's the problem. <laughs> exactly. Eight years beyond. The Ben Gay Brigade. Yeah, it's just yeah, not the, the same. Yeah, the Ben Gay Brigade. There we go. All right. All right. Last uh, one. Final question. Uh, Monty Williams should rest their key players and or have a minutes restriction to close out the season. Start with Coach. I, I want to see a minutes restriction. <clears throat> you know, I, I when I see Booker play – was it 37, 38 minutes last night? It, it just, that kind of, uh, I, I get that he likes to, you know, put the ball in the basket and run the stats up a little bit here to kind of, uh, you know, show that he deserves a little bit more national attention. I get that. But, you know, Paul, I like, as long as these guys are getting their cardio levels up, uh, I'm, I'm fine with that. And, and they're getting ready to go and in shape. But do they need to, I mean, like the preseason games, when they play those, you usually see Paul and those guys not play more than 24, maybe. And I think that'd be fine. In fact, the your your second string guys uh, and potentially even your your third string guys aren't going to get much run in the playoffs. So why not give them a little bit more of a tune up now in case there happens to be an injury in the playoffs and then maybe they're a little bit more ready to go. So I, I'd be good to see a little bit of a minutes restriction uh, as soon as we get to win sixty three when we beat the Thunder. We can you know our franchise record set and we can not coast but you know just take it easy. Look, I, I see a lot of trues in our in our chat comments. You're right. Um, should, yes, Monty should rest those guys and should have them on a minutes restriction. However, Friday night was the first time they actually had their projected playoff rotation available at the same time all season. Because Torrey Craig is going to be in that playoff rotation for at least a few minutes. And Chris Paul's been out since Torrey Craig was acquired. So while they've had most of those guys, and in fact, uh, JaVale McGee would be the only new playoff rotation guy from last year, uh, if you don't count Dario. Dario JaVale replaces Dario, basically. Um, so Torrey was here in the, in the playoffs last year, and uh, the other guys, the Cams, and JaVale McGee and Torrey are going to be the main guys off the bench. And then that 10th guy, um, Landry Shamit's the 10th guy, so he's new. Um so you've got ten, you've got five deep in your in your. Uh, is, Monty's got to figure out who's going to play what minutes and when. They've all gotten minutes this year. It's just a matter of have they played those minutes with mixing and matching with these starters enough. Um, so Monty has uh, he, he talked this week about it's it's a balance. He's got to strike a balance. He's got to get these guys ready to play really well in the playoffs. And guess what? The starters play more minutes in the playoffs. So if you spend the last two weeks of the season playing the starters less minutes, they're going to be tired in fourth quarters. That's when the Suns wear people down. If they're tired in fourth quarters, you're going to have a really hard time. Um, you're going to have a really hard time winning in the fourth quarters in the playoffs. That's a, so there's what I see is these guys may be um, taking games off, but I don't know that they're going to be on minutes restrictions unless it's a blowout game one way or the other. 
So uh, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking is is Monty's going to have to just inactivate guys because once they get on the court, I mean, Chris Paul and Devin Booker even looked at each other and laughed like Chris Paul's first game back uh, after two games back. Chris Paul was 17 and 13 in the first game and then 19 and 14 in his second game. And uh, Monty Williams, after the game, said, man, I'm a liar to myself saying I was going to keep Chris Paul in a minutes restriction. Just can't do it when that dude is in the game. You just can't take him out when he's playing well. And then, um, so that was mentioned, that was brought up to Chris Paul in his post-game interview. And Chris Paul turned to Devin Booker and laughed. He goes, I don't know what he's talking about. No minutes restriction on me. So (laughs) these guys don't play to minutes restrictions when they're in the game. They don't. So Monty's going to have to actually inactivate them for games if he wants them not to play. Yeah, no, I I agree. And I think, you know, one game I would say everyone would be the Clippers game, second of a back-to-back on the road after the Lakers game. So treat the Lakers game like a playoff game. Make sure you, you know, help eliminate them and then uh, rest the guys in that that second of a back-to-back. Because I think this late in the season, there's no reason to play them in any back-to-backs. And then that Kings game, very last game of the season, you know, just sit everyone, like all the starters. Um, Those are perfect examples. Perfect examples. Clippers, we might not see half the team go. (laughs) Yeah. And then like OKC, LA, uh, Lakers, and then Jazz games, like just minute restrictions across the board and and just go from there. There's no reason to play everyone 40-plus minutes at this point other than maybe Cam Johnson just to get his, his legs back. All right. Uh, that was our true false co- section. Thank you so much. Okay. Let's take two minutes and then we're out two minutes to preview the upcoming week of games and predict what the sun's record is going to be. They play at the thunder. Uh, they host the Lakers. We already talked about that. Then they're at the Clippers on the back to back. That's what Brandon was just talking about at the Clippers after play after hosting the Lakers, they're at the Clippers the next night on the back to back. And then they play at the jazz. So the Thunder have nothing to play for. The Lakers, who knows what they're doing. The Clippers are actually trying to uh, get their groove back with Paul George. They have Paul George back in their lineup, and they've been doing pretty well. And then you got the Jazz, who are trying to prove themselves and, and get right before the playoffs start. So what do you what do you guys think in the chat? What's the score going to what the what's the Suns' record this week going to be? Uh, we'll start with you, Coach. What do you think their record this week is going to be? Uh, I'm going to go with two and two. I think uh, we we take out the Thunder, get that franchise record. I think we embarrass the Lakers one more time and uh, start start the uh, uh, the resting process a little bit with the the Clippers and the Jazz. You know, I don't know. There will be nothing more to prove for us. They might still be battling for seeding and positioning. So I'll go two and two. Jonah, I'm going to go. Yeah, I can see that happening for sure. I'm going to go three and one though. I think they'll win those first two, drop that Clippers game just because they'll be resting their guys. Uh, and then go into Utah and, and take that game. Um, but, but, yeah, I think once they get that 65 win mark, I think they're going to be kind of coasting and, you know, pan, uh, fans will be panicking per usual. But, uh, you know, it's 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 April. Just relax. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's three and one this week. I think they'll drop the Clippers game. Uh, the Jazz game is a toss up, but uh, these guys just don't like to lose. They're going to. Uh, it's that last game of the year, like you were saying, uh, that they might actually just rest the entire team like they did a year ago. And the Clippers, they may not send anybody to L.A. I mean, we might see Bismack starting. Seriously. Let's do that. I'm going to predict who's the most wild starter. 
most unexpected starter against the Clippers on Wednesday night? Alfred Payton. No, uh, Lundberg. Iffy. Ah, as a starter, probably not, but he will. I'll bet he gets minutes. Um, Ish, Alfred. Ish you Wayne said Wright. Alfred. Ish Wainwright as Ooh, a starter. Like wow. All right. And uh, Bismack is not actually a wild prediction, although that means you didn't send either JaVale or DeAndre. Um, so that's, yeah. So basically we're picking at least one of those guys, if not multiple of those guys, actually starting. I'd love to see Aaron Holiday too. Jay Simpson in the and uh, yeah. Darth Voida in the, in the chat saying Aaron Holiday. That dude is going to be, okay, who in the playoffs uh, will have this? We'll do, we'll do this next week. Who's going to be the most unexpected contributor in the playoffs, too? We'll go for it. But that'll be coming up in, in future shows. Oh, Dave, Coach, you got something? I do. I, I have an important question. I know you guys are obviously going to do kind of more of a deep dive of playoff opponents uh, next week. But I do have to ask, because we played Dylan Brooks last night, and we played the Warriors uh, two games ago with Draymond Green. So uh, here's my question to you two for today's uh, show is uh, which is the more hated player from one of these playoff teams? And I'm going to name uh, them real quick. So Grizzlies, I would say probably Dylan Brooks, Warriors, Draymond Green. So it's usually either a defensive irritant or just somebody who complains mm-hmm. all the time. So I'd say Mavericks would probably be Doncic. I don't know, Jazz, either Gobert or uh, the Spider, Mitchell, I guess. Let's go, Bear. Nuggets. Okay, uh, Nuggets. Um, I'm not quite sure who would be in there, but then you have the T-Wolves, Pat Bev, Clippers, let's say a, a Marcus Morris or, or a, yeah, uh, let's say. T-Wolves is Pat Bev. Pat Bev. Well, so so who do you uh, either want to beat the most or who do you just hate the most of that list? Who do you not oh, want yeah. to see because they you just can't stand them? Uh, as uh, I think uh, Darth Voida would say, most punchable face in the Western Conference playoff standings. Got to so be Dylan Brooks for me. I'm just going to say it right there. Yeah, he was really upsetting me. I, I, yeah. I I, I have to go Pat Bev just because of the shove. Uh, yeah. yeah, but Dylan Brooks is going to play 40 minutes a night if the Suns play them, and he's going to just drive us nuts for every every everything he does on the court. Just I hate. Of course, if he was on my team, I would love him. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I hate him. No, I agree. Uh, Brooks has the most punchable face by far. But uh, in terms of like player, I dislike the most for, as far as like you know what they do on the court. It's it's Pat Bev. Uh, I used to be a yeah. fan of his, but just the dirty plays, not only against the Suns, just, you know, he's he's had kind of a, his last few years, it seems like, you know, he's losing a step, so he's, he's getting more and more dirty, which uh, I'm not a fan of, because I'm all for, like, players that play hard, but uh, there, there's a limit to that. But yeah, Dylan Brooks, that little, uh, whatever he did after that and one, that, that was just like a, the most punchable face moment in the history of punchable face moments. Darth Voida, the Eric Burns for those who are old enough to remember, just kidding. Um, the Diamondbacks, Eric Burns over hustle award. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we got to get going. We got to, we got to get out of here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Coach, tell us where we can find you. Uh, at fallen founder on Twitter. All right, Brandon. You can find me at zona hoops underscore, uh, bright and zona hoops.com. All right, and I'm Dave King. You can find me at Dave King NBA on Twitter. You can find us at brightsideofthesun.com, uh, best sun site in the world. And, of course, on this podcast, we'll do, we do midweeks. Don't forget to subscribe on your podcast forms because we have all these midweek shows as well. They're, they're audio only that are great to listen to. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll see you guys next time we broadcast. <laughs> <laughs>